Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, June 21st, 2016. Coming up, a special feature, a book about the science of soccer and many other science matters. The science book that we'll feature this morning is Soccer Maddox. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in the summer pledge drive. And here with me in the studio is our news director, Maeve Conran. It's great to be with you, Shelley, and to be with all of the listeners. And I'm so excited. What an exciting show coming up. The mathematics behind soccer, perfectly timed for the World Cup. Of course, the European Cup happening right now for soccer enthusiasts who are already engaged. And that's what I love about how on earth and KGNU in general, making connections where connections don't seem obvious. What is the connection between mathematics and the game of soccer? Well, we're going to find out when we hear from uh, this particular author who's coming up in just a moment. And, and we like to make connections here especially during our membership drive we'd love for you to connect with us this morning and connect with this very generous incentive fund that's been provided by the gay and lesbian fund of colorado if you're not a listener and not a member today is your day you can become a member of kgnu for as little as five dollars a month or you can also call make an additional gift a lot of people are doing that and upgrading their monthly giving we're hearing from a lot of supporters who are taking that option whatever way you choose to connect with the station we're looking for your call right now to three 403 A $4,000 one-day-only incentive fund is on the table. We want to match every single dollar. And we've got a goal, I think, of $500 for our science show, which we can absolutely achieve because we have several copies of Soccermatics, the book, available. But we also have so many committed listeners to science on Tuesday mornings. And so you're the folks that we're looking for right now. Give us a call at 303 449 that's the number to call. Please do call us now, or you can pledge online at kgnu.org. Maybe you want to talk some more about what makes the station special, or do you want me to go right to the feature? Well, I think our listeners have heard us talking all morning about what makes it special. <laughs> David Barsamian said it very clearly earlier. We've made the academic argument here. Everybody knows that it is so important that we have a community-supported, community-centric media. Now we're appealing to your heart. What's your emotional connection to the station? Do you get that nice warm feeling on Tuesday mornings when you hear Shelley Schlender coming on for How on Earth or Jill Parker or Susan Moran or Kendra or Beth or the entire crew who make this a possible this amazing show possible every Tuesday or is it Alan Watts that really makes your inner person glow when you hear him coming on at nine o'clock what is it that really gets you emotionally engaged about the station but we're asking you to really think about that and engage with us connect with us right now at 303 449 4885 that's the number to call. Remember that number, 303-449-4885. And now we'll continue to our main feature about the science behind the great game of soccer. We'll be talking with a mathematician who's a huge soccer fan. His book is titled Soccermatics. The scientist, by the way, is from England, and his favorite soccer song is You'll Never Walk Alone. Stay tuned.
This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm your host, Shelley Schlender. You'll Never Walk Alone is the favorite soccer song of English mathematician David Sumter. David Sumter's new book is Soccermatics. It's about how the mathematical patterns of how to win at soccer mean much, much more. Like how a math algorithm is how a slime mold seeks out food, and that information can help engineers design efficient subway systems. The math that helps a soccer team win can also help a business team succeed. Speaking of teamwork, as Maeve has said, KGNU is a team. KGNU is made possible by staff and volunteers here at the radio station, teaming up with your astute ears and financial contributions to make it all happen. For our summer mini-pledge drive, we're offering Soccermatics as a thank-you gift to listeners who call and pledge. You know the number, 303-449-4885. Now here's English mathematician. David Sumter. So, David Sumter, are you a mathematician or a soccer person? Which one, really? Well, really, I'm a mathematician. That's where my qualification is. I'm also extremely interested in soccer or in football, as I call it. And I train my son's team. I spend a lot of my spare time watching people play football, mainly my son's team, but also professional games. Really, I got inspired from my hobby to write a book that combined the two. You call your book Soccermatics. Yes. The idea, really, of Soccermatics is what I wanted to do was, was share how we use mathematics in so many different types of ways. And football is full of mathematics. If you just think about the passing networks, if you think about the strategy and the tactics... If you think about betting, if you even think about the crowd and how the crowd moves together and uh, sings together, all of those parts of football can be described using equations. You know, David Sumter, I'm not a soccer player. I know very little about soccer, but I found your book fascinating with details such as the difference between children who go after a ball in what you call the clump versus the triangle which seems to be the winning way to play among the professionals. Yeah, exactly. So the, the starting point for my observations was watching my son's team and also my daughter's team when they were six or seven years old, and they just all go running around after the ball. Being a coach, what I wanted to do was get them to spread out, get them to pass better. And so I started thinking about the structures they could create. Thinking about it that way, it's very similar to how I think about animal groups. I do a lot of research of how birds fly together, how fish move in shoals, and how ants cooperate with each other. Before we get to that, all of those different ways that the animals work together, I just want to double-check one thing. Did you really put GPS markers on all of the kids in your soccer team so that you could analyze them? Yeah, well, of course, inspired by all the stuff I do on the animals, I wanted to measure where they move around. And so we put GPS trackers on them. I had a student who helped me out. Where do you get GPS trackers? Was this just giving each child a cell phone and turning on an app? Or did you buy little GPS trackers and put them on the kids? So I bought trackers for about sort of $80 each. You can get these trackers, put them on the kids, let them run around. 
And we could try a few different training exercises and see which ones were working best. If I'm absolutely honest, the experiments didn't work perfectly. We couldn't track the ball, for examples. But it was quite a lot of fun and it, it got the kids thinking about their position. I don't know what kind of game I'm going to use this for someday, but it was just so intriguing. It made me want to do it. And you can do all kinds of interesting experiments with them. Okay, now that I know that, let's go back to these other things. So you study how birds fly together without hitting each other, and you study how fish will swim along and swim along, but then when a predator comes, they act entirely differently. They change their formation all on instinct, and you say it's similar to soccer? Yeah, so fish interact with each other very locally. One fish will basically follow around its neighbors. If its, if its neighbors change direction, it will change direction. And through these local interactions, they can actually produce very complex patterns at the group level. They can change direction extremely fast, as you said, when a predator comes. By following each other, they're able to process information and escape from predators. When it comes to football, the patterns are slightly different, but the ideas are very similar. One study I did is I looked at defending, how you defend and get the ball back when you've lost it. And the algorithm that you can say that the players use is very similar to how lionesses hunt. So lionesses hunt in groups. One goes in directly and two go in at the side. And that's exactly how you should defend in soccer. And it's probably similar to how you should narrow down the ball in American football as well. That you need one person goes in at one side and one person who goes in at the other side and try and narrow things down and, and get the ball back. Okay, so David Sumter, that's an example of the triangle formation, sort of. Am I thinking right? That one isn't actually the triangle, but the triangle has similar properties. The triangle, I actually drew an analogy to something called a slime mold. The slime molds are single cellular organisms, and they create these triangular networks to transport food around. I studied one of the best football teams in Europe, Barcelona, and they create a very similar triangular network to transport the ball around the pitch. Now, David Sumter, I never thought of a slime mold as a creature that would use triangles. I just thought of them as slimy and oozy. <laughs> but in your book, Soccermatics, I discovered that slime molds actually use kind of tubular, I don't know what to call them, maybe sticks. Yeah, they, they basically build tubes. First, their bodies expand over a whole area. And then when they've found food in particular areas, they contract so that the only thing is left is tubes connecting up the food. That's exactly how they managed to optimize the connection between all the different pieces of food items the slime mold's trying to collect. You in your book, Soccermatics, talk about how in soccer, each player has to be as efficient as those tubes are to create a triangle to cover as much space as possible with as few resources as possible. But then you go on and say that it's not only slime molds and soccer players who work this way, but also... Tokyo City subway system. Yeah, so there was a lovely study done by one of my colleagues, Toshi Nakagaki. And what he did is he, he set this slime mold up to, he put cornflakes around in the same setup as Tokyo. And so the slime mold had to build the Tokyo subway network in order to solve the problem of connecting the food together. I want to pause for a second and imagine what this scientist is doing. I mean, math is numbers and all of this. But here, your scientist took a flat surface put cornflakes in different densities to represent different parts of the Tokyo city densities. I mean, 
That's not how I think of most mathematicians. <laughs> well, he's a physicist by training, but became a biologist. But that's actually what mathematicians are up to nowadays. You know, if you want to relate mathematics to the real world, you have to be prepared to do those sorts of experiments. It might, I don't know if it sounds a bit crazy. It's not, it's not the idea of a mathematician as sitting alone in his or her room trying to solve problems. But that's what a lot of mathematicians like me do. We want to try and build experiments where we can see how mathematics is working in the real world. And I think that's exactly what Toshi was trying to do. His idea is to show that this slime mold can solve lots of problems that humans can solve. In the Tokyo Network problem, he actually showed that it was very, very good at solving the problem, just as good as the humans are. That was such an intriguing set of diagrams that you had in your book, Soccermatics, where you show that the Tokyo subway system has lines that go in different directions that feed the densest parts of the area and also feed the outlying parts of the area. And because of how your colleague set up the cornflakes for the slime molds to eat, their tubular structures for getting resources back and forth were very similar to the map of the Tokyo subway system. That was a little bit uncanny, in fact. Yes, it's amazing. And they, they actually repeated this experiment on German networks and on French networks and on the British networks. And I don't know if you know anything about the British railway system, but one thing that we always joke about in Britain is how bad the railway system is. And the slime mold found optimal solutions, the same as the humans for the German network. For the French, it found the same thing. But in Britain, it actually found a better network than the British humans had built. So the slime mold is cleverer than the British engineers at building railway networks. In that case, will the British railway network experts go back and change their system to match what the slime molds would do? <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't actually think that the slime mold is the best algorithm for building real railway networks. But what it is useful for is, for example, sending packages through the internet. So when you're looking at routing problems, then the slime mold algorithm is actually something that engineers have been investigating ever since Toshi did his experiments. Okay, so you mean packets of information, you mean virtual information. Yes, sending information through the internet and so on. Algorithms which aren't so different from what the slime mold does are used in that situation. Do you find that often in your work that when you're playing with an idea with something goofy, whether it's cornflakes for getting slime molds to show what network they would build, or putting GPS trackers on your own children <laughs> to see how they move around in soccer, that... Are you playing with these ideas for how you can also apply this to other areas of science? Yes, I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're doing. You're a good soldier, choosing your battles. Pick yourself up and dust yourself off and back. This song is Waka Waka, the official 2010 World Cup soccer song in honor of our science show topic today, which is the science of soccer-matics. I'm Shelley Schlender. Our guest today is English mathematician David Sumter. We're offering his book, Soccermatics, to listeners who call and pledge their support to KGNU. You can do that by calling 303-449-4885 or use the web and call us at kgnu.org or type us in that way. While this book that we're offering is about soccer, soccermatics, as you now know, it's also about slime mold-matics and subway route-matics and fish school-matics and how to put GPS trackers on your kids' medics. So let's go back now to talking with David Sumter about just what people who study the patterns of life mathematically, just what do they really do? 
before I wrote the Socomatics book, a lot of people would ask me why I was doing all this stuff. You know, I've been studying locust movements. I've been studying fish on the Great Barrier Reef. I've been studying ants and so on. And of course, people all think that they're, well, it's, it's interesting with animals, but why do you do that type of research? And one thing I wanted to do in the book was show that you can actually take the methods that we apply in any area and apply them in different areas. And soccer was a brilliant way of showing that because people want to know the secrets of how to build a successful team. And you can actually use the mathematics that we've studied, used to study animal groups to understand football. In your book, Soccermatics, you talk about the animals who are just about spot on with how they do things that match into equations for efficient decisions. And you talk about the way you can coach a soccer team, but animals are doing that with instinct. You're doing it with analysis. Where in between those two does a successful soccer player stand? Is it instinct or analysis? It's a combination of both. When you design training exercises for younger players, you make the exercises that will build up their instinct. So you make training exercises that build up triangles. You don't make training exercises where everybody uh, runs after the ball. You can still talk about why you're doing a particular thing and why it's a good thing to do. You certainly can't talk to the animals about why they should move in a particular way. They learn it all from where they, they through natural selection, they have um, evolved these types of rules of interaction. For animals, it's eons of time where the ones that were moving more efficiently were more able to escape a predator or catch their prey um, or find food. And uh, so life or death is what helped them make their better decisions. Soccer games, though, they can feel like life or death. <laughs> well, they, and they are. For the, so one of, the, one of the analogies I draw in the book is between managers and the survival of birds looking for food. The point is, if you have a bad strategy as a manager, then you don't have your job for very long. And through that process is a process like natural selection of the best managers and the best tactics will evolve and the worst tactics will drop away. And there's very, very hard selection, you can say, or managers. You Just a few bad results and you're out. That was an interesting part of your book is to look at some of the ways that what you know mathematically about group dynamics can be applied to something like business situations and whether or not you'll be able to have the people you work with on your team. Yeah, so I spent quite a lot of time looking at the evolution of cooperation. Why do we cooperate with each other? One of the reasons we cooperate with each other is just that if everybody slacked off, then nothing would ever get done. So some of the people have to do the work. But one of my favorite examples of why you should cooperate is to do with becoming more than the sum of your parts. If a group works together, whether it's a soccer team or whether it's a colony of ants, if they work together effectively, they can become more than the sum of their parts. Then it doesn't pay for anybody to defect and not help out. And so I draw an example of a superstar football player and he or she might decide, I'm not going to put in the effort for the team. What I'm going to do is show off my own skills. What will happen is it will negatively affect the team, of course, but it will actually, because the team playing together as a group is more than the sum of its parts, just taking one part away will actually make everybody look worse. So even the superstar will look worse if the team's not functioning. And all the best teams are really built on that kind of team experience 
that you work together and you become more than the sum of its parts. And that's true just as much in business as it is in team sports as it is in the natural world. Do you think that that actually can be tallied with algorithms? Can you look at a corporation, for instance, and a soccer team and watch how they play and say, whoops, they're not being a team, they're going to lose? In soccer, you can analyze it using passing networks, for example. Who is passing to who? And what's been shown is that if you're a decentralized team where everybody is involved in the play, then you're more effective than a team where just one individual is involved in the play or one or two individuals are involved in the play. Inside a business, it really depends from business to business. But if you have that type of data is like who's involved in decision making, then you can actually use it to see if you are working in a proper decentralized way where everybody's working together to become more than the sum of its parts. This is the actual USA soccer team chant. And our guest, David Sumter, says that the ability of a whole stadium of sports fans to do a chant like this in unison has a lot to do with how the mathematical formations and patterns work to help people win at chanting, and it games it life. I'm Shelley Schlender. You're tuned to KGNU Science Show, How on Earth, and with me in the studio is Maeve Conran. And Maeve, you are certainly the leader of a great team of volunteers and listener members who make KGNU possible. Thank you for being the leader of our news team. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I see myself really just as a, as a part of this great ecosystem that is KGNU. And really listening to this, there are so many different things that really ring true with what's happening at KGNU because we are decentralised. There isn't that one person who's in charge. It's a whole ecosystem of folks, listener members supporting us, volunteers coming in, making it all work. Uh, You know, a really small staff that's helping to coordinate all of those efforts but you the listener member are playing a crucial role in this ecosystem you're the roots of it all right now I mean you are the ones that are holding us all up and as we've just heard there when everyone works together we become more than the sum of our parts and that is so true about KGNU but we need your participation be on our team this morning it's a winning team and we'll get you a copy of Soccermatics a really fascinating look at the mathematics the connection then between soccer you know if you're gearing up for the World Cup maybe you're watching some of Euro 2016 soccer games, this is the book for you. 303-449-4885. Call us now. Or you can pledge online at kgnu.org. Lots of ways to participate as a listener member. Really, you are the lifeblood of KGNU. And as Maeve says, a team is more than the sum of its parts. And you are the key to it all adding up to being possible. KGNU, this is our chance to always be talking a little bit about what's special about community radio. We are not an NPR station. We are not national public radio. We're not a commercial AM or FM station. We are a whole different model. We don't have a staff, and the staff is the only people who are on the air. Actually, Maeve has a much bigger and more challenging job. She's the head of not only news and being on air herself, but she also coordinates, what is it, Maeve, about 100 volunteers. Oh, there are so many volunteers. There were really hundreds of volunteers who make KGNU work. Work. The folks that you hear on air, folks like Shelley and all the other news folks, be- people behind the scenes who come in and help us out, the volunteers who are standing by the phones. We've got Gary and Jean and James and Kathy and Risa. They're all coming in and they're all such valuable parts of this whole mechanism. You, the listener, play an integral role because you're
you're who we are thinking of all the time when we're creating the programming. And we'd love you to become a listener member and really be an essential part of this team. As we've heard, we're more than the sum of our parts when we all work together. So join the KGNU team this morning. Get a copy of Soccer Matics or one of the other great thank you gifts or just, you know, give a shout out to say, you know what? Yes, I'm part of this community and I'm going to give what I can. Can you do $5 a month? Maybe you can make an additional contribution if you're already a sustaining member. And don't forget, maybe tell a friend about KGNU. You could get them a gift membership. You can tune in a friend to KGNU on Facebook. We'd love you to uh, to do that. And don't forget, you'll be entered into a drawing for the Arise Festival weekend passes. And for everyone who's contributing at any level during the drive, you're entered into a drawing for Folks Festival happening in Lyons later this year. So what's not to love? Particularly this, the first day of the drive, we have this generous one day only $4,000 incentive fund provided by the Gay and Lesbian Fund of Colorado. So we need you on our team today to help us match every single dollar. 303-449-4885. That's the number to call. 303-449-4885 to pledge your support to this unique team. KGNU, a unique team of volunteers on the air and behind the scenes, a small but mighty staff leading the effort, and most important of all, you are listeners whose astute ears and financial contributions make the station possible. You know, I've always marveled, Maeve, at how KGNU tends to notice news, whether it's science or other kinds of news, well in advance of where it gets picked up by other places. And I think part of that's because we have listeners who like an alternative. They like to hear something that's not only fresh, but is a little bit different take than what you might find in the mainstream. And as part of the team of the whole nation, communities like KGNU make a difference because we kind of vet these new ideas. We, we get them started so that other people do start to talk about them. We're kind of like planting the seed. And you help us plant the seed by calling us here at 303-449-4885. We've seen the power of collective action when folks come together for a shared passion, shared cause. We've seen it politically happening here when Longmont voters overwhelmingly passed that uh, fracking ban. Now, of course, that was overturned by the Colorado State Supreme Court, but we're seeing that kind of community action happening again with all of these different ballot initiatives and KGNU being right there to cover all of that and particularly to give a voice to the underrepresented who don't have the millions and millions of dollars to pour into these uh, campaigns. They are grassroots like KGNU is grassroots and Winona Houter, who's with Food and Water Watch, play, says that community radio stations like KGNU play an app absolutely vital role in this community activism. We're going to hear from Winona Halter tomorrow morning, but we need to hear from you right now. 303-449-4885. That's the phone number. And Maeve, when you were talking about fracking, that's another interesting issue, which KGNU was one of the first groups to start to give a voice to the concerns about fracking. There's been a lot of debate in the scientific community about whether or not fracking is safe or not. An interesting new study from Colorado State University looks at fracking and says that there's this thing called flowback, where basically the waters gurgle back up to the surface. And, and when there's a fracking operation, the time where that kind of whole operation is finishing up kind of makes a big burp, which includes extra pollution such as methane. We'll be having those experts on KGNU's science show sometime in the future. Lots of ways that we want to help kind of stretch our ears, whether it's looking at soccer-matics, which you can get as a gift this morning, or looking at issues such as fracking and climate change and health topics. We like to be 
part of the beginning news that starts the news. Help us out. Call us at 303-449-4885. KGNU engages the head and the heart, laying out these studies, giving you analysis of what's happening in your local community, nationally, internationally, politically, but engaging you in an emotional level as well to see what passion is out there in your community. People just working for common interest, for common good, to help make their communities a better place. And KGNU plays a crucial role in that because it really is a central hub for these ideas as a conversation starter. Have you heard a story on the radio that you've like shared with a friend that has really gotten you thinking about something? We hear stories like that all the time and it's only possible because of you the listener member so please do become a member today take advantage of this one day only very generous four thousand dollar incentive fund from the gay and lesbian fund of colorado and call us right now 303-449-4885